Hi, so we're going to be talking about dissolving our internal control paradigms. And what does that mean? So an internal control paradigm is anywhere where when our experience of reality does not behave the way we want it to, we seek to control the external circumstances that we analyze and perceive are causing this situation to happen. Whether that is seeking to control the behavior of others or simply going out of our way and against, shall we say, the grain to the flow to arrange circumstances so that they don't produce what we're experiencing. Now, there are areas in our life where we are, we have, we've owned and claimed our domain as creators, our creatorship domain. And in these areas of our life, it's like tending a garden. We make choices and we make decisions about what we do and don't want. And we choose and we act upon those choices and put in place what we want in our reality, in our experience. We say no, we establish borders, what we don't want. We say yes, we, we call in and attract what we do want. A control paradigm is not speaking to that. It's talking about when, in spite of all our choices, our actions and um, our creatorship, we are sat within an experience that is not of our choosing, that we do not want, and that we're asking ourselves, how can I change this? Because all of the obvious ways of changing it have been exhausted, or perhaps they are not working, or for one reason or another, our reality is dialoguing with us and presenting us with this, <laughs> with the experience of not being able to change something. That's when our control, internal control paradigms get triggered. That's when we go out of our way, when we try to force, when we try to push, when we try to manipulate when we try to extend our creative reach beyond our sacred domain. So when we're trying to control the reality of another, when we're trying to create in the reality of another without their hmm, complicit teamwork, without their consent, without their knowing even. And these control paradigms can be incredibly subtle within us. So identifying that they are happening is the first thing. So identifying that we're trying to make somebody do something that either they don't want to do, they're not going to do. And instead of um, facing inwardly and processing our own responses to how we feel when this person or this situation that's beyond our control doesn't behave the way we want it to, Instead of doing that, we turn and we face what we identify as the, the source of blame, the reason why this situation is happening. So first we'll look for blame and we'll point to someone and go, it's you and you're doing this. And because you're doing this, I am suffering and I need you to stop. And, um, and when someone is not stopping, when our own claiming our borders and our boundaries is not working and is not being adhered to, 
there's something for us to own within ourselves. And that is the point at which to turn inwards. And it's the same with a situation when there's a situation that's bringing us experience that we do not want. We have not chosen. We can turn our blame outwards and go, well, it's the authority here. There is an external authority here creating in my reality. And that's when we catch ourselves out. Because wherever we give that power away, and usually the ways in which we give our power away are so complex, and they're so well defended within our own psyche that we we barely notice them. And if someone were to suggest that we've done that, that we've given our power away, we would be mortified and we would defend ourselves and why we've done that, why it's impossible not to have given that power away. But whenever we identify there is an external authority creating in my reality, then that's when there is a, a signpost. And this is part of a spiritual process, a metaphysical process, which can lead to us of ownership and owning our sovereign creatorship. So whenever we see that, there is a signpost where we can, where we've exhausted our attempts to change reality by reaching outwards and manipulating the circumstance. Perhaps the authority is too big. Perhaps these circumstances are beyond control. Perhaps whatever is happening to us is happening to us regardless of all of our attempts to lay down boundaries, to stop it and to say no. And it continues to happen to us. That's the point where there's a deep part of ourselves that is trying to reclaim its sovereign creatorship in this arena of our lives. To break that pattern of sitting and (laughs) decrying against an external source. They are doing this to me. They are doing this to us. I can't stop them doing it. I'm going to fight them or I'm going to sit here and simply complain about them, or I'm going to sit here and suffer quietly. All of those things. There is an opportunity to break that seemingly locked cycle when we turn around and instead of directing our defense reactions against what we perceive or who we perceive as the blame, the source of our suffering, that we turn around And we turn around and face ourselves with compassion. We face our suffering and our pain with compassion. And we sit and own in the very first instance, not, oh, it's my fault, I've created this, because actually that's very brutal. There's a a part of ourselves here which is not in its sovereign creatorship and to turn around and tell it that it should be while it's suffering at the hands of something is very brutal. So in the first instance, turning around to the part of ourselves that feels like it's suffering at the hands of someone or something else and embracing that suffering, really turning to face it without judgment, without needing to fully understand its story, the why, how did this come to happen, why is this happening, letting go of the why of it, letting go even of the what of it, and making space, sacred, personal, meditational space, to sit and in full honouring, Make space for 
the pained reaction, the wounded voice, the part that is crying and the part that is crying out against what is happening. And to hear that pain as though we were a parent listening to a crying child, a parent no more able to understand what the child is upset about, who it was, why it happened, and and in absolutely no position to go and stop it. A parent who can only face with a crying child who's telling them about their day and what happened can only open its arms and embrace that child and listen to it and hold it in love. Bringing the qualities of unconditional love to that embrace. Unconditional understanding. Now that's not an mental understanding where we know why we're understanding something, it's a quality. A quality that resonates within the embrace of compassionate listening. It's an abstract, not a specific understanding. But it's a quality nonetheless that is vital to that part of us that is hurting in feeling like it is being understood. And when we listen to ourselves in this way, and when we invite ourselves to show our wounded expression, our wounded crying out against whatever it is that we feel is happening to us, and whatever it is that we're experiencing, then we can listen compassionately with infinite unconditional love, infinite unconditional compassion, the quality of infinite unconditional understanding without even knowing what that means necessarily. It's included within the quality of love. We're validating that voice. We're saying to it, yes, love, of course. Of course you would hurt. And no, it's not okay what you're experiencing. And that's so important And that's just the first step. And I mean, the second step, the second step is to welcome the full expression of that emotion, that reaction, that response without trying to name it, without giving it a story or a meaning, even if there is a story there, but detaching the emotion from its story. So while the crying out is happening, the crying out quite often can sound like, I feel like this because they have done this. And when they did this, it's this happened. And this is what started it. That's the story. In order to release ourselves from that story and let what we're manifesting change completely. It's important to face the emotion as raw emotion. And it can help to face that raw emotion as a vibration. And sometimes it can help to let the emotion be expressed without saying this is sadness or this is anger. If we know it's sadness, if we know it's anger, that's fine to name it. But if the emotion comes and we interrupt the expression of that emotion or the expression of the outpouring, because it might not be emotion, it might be words, it might be physical sensation, it could be all kinds of manners, all manner of expressions. The wounded voice can express itself in all manner of ways. 
when we make sacred space for it to speak. And if we interrupt it because we need it to, we need to understand what's the story behind this or what is the emotion that's being expressed here. We interrupt the flow and actually what we're here for is to let the expression flow freely, however it wants to come. And to encourage it to detach from meaning, detach from the story, detach from the people and the external causes of its suffering. And give it full space. As though the hurt part of us is a wounded animal and we don't even know what shape that animal is, but we're making some space to hear it, see it, feel it. And as a meditation exercise, we can simply sit with ourselves for a moment, bring the attention into the heart, into the still point, open to that spaciousness that's there in the stillness, in the silence, in the center of the rhythms of our breath, in the space between the rhythms of our heartbeat and falling into that silence and spaciousness, floating in the arms of love itself. Allowing ourselves to feel physically the sensation that arises within us unnamed when we use our intention to bring our attention here to our still point and center to drop into that spaciousness that we also are. Allow ourselves to be in a moment of, in this moment, nothing is needed of me. I am the love I am. And invite whatever wants to show itself in the heart, in the body, in the thoughts or in the awareness. Invite that to arise with the intention to witness whatever shows itself in this space as spaciousness itself, embracing the qualities of unconditional love, whatever arises in these moments. bringing the quality of compassionate listening to any emotion, any sensation, and any thoughts. Knowing we are not these thoughts, these thoughts are in us, a part of us. We are not these emotions, these emotions are in us, are part of us. 
you know, these sensations, these sensations are in us, are part of us. But we are listening in this moment as the spaciousness all around them. The spaciousness that surrounds our humanness. And we are this human. We are this humanness. And we are this spaciousness and choosing to listen. To allow what arises to arise as a vibration. Not needing to be named or explained. And if nothing comes, it's still a worthwhile exercise, a worthwhile moment in time where we just connected with ourselves from an expanded place. And there's no wrong or right experience. There's nothing that should or should not happen that we should or should not feel. But every time we do this, we open to that part of ourselves that's the compassionately listening parent. And then, when there is something that does want to show itself, we're already calling on those qualities within us of unconditional love, of infinite compassion, of abstract, nameless, but loving understanding. So that what arises can be held, embraced, validated, seen, heard, allowed to express itself however it wishes to, and understood. And when we do this, and we complete our process, we own our own reaction to whatever it is that has manifested itself in our reality. When we allow the emotional charge to be healed within us, we release the attachment we have to what is manifesting for us. Whatever experience is showing itself in our reality that we don't want and that we, we don't like and that we can't seem to control. When we turn around and own how we feel about it in this way and make some space, not necessarily in the way we've just demonstrated, but in our own way, we make some space to be with our emotions from beyond that story and to meet them as the loving, embracing parent or as the I am that I am, the sovereign self, whatever your framework for reference, referencing that awareness is. When we own that response, the charge keeping that reality manifesting in our experience is dissolved. And we liberate ourselves and we allow for a new manifestation because we have changed and healed part of our relationship towards an authority outside of ourselves. And every authority we perceive outside of ourselves, however real that's become, 
is still part of a created relationship that will come to an end one day. And how that comes to an end depends on us and our internal processing. That doesn't mean that everything is instantly resolvable. But this is, uh, I suppose I'd call it a master reiki. And one to be used with reverence, compassion towards ourselves. That wherever we find ourselves in a situation where we're experiencing something that is being done to us, it is not enough to simply turn around and say, oh, I am the creator of my own reality, therefore this is my fault. Like that is brutal, unkind, and actually not helpful. And although it calls to some of the aspects of sovereignty, um, awakening within ourselves, it's, it's important. I would say critical not to bypass compassion and a compassionate response to any part of us that is experiencing something that's happening to us that's beyond our control and that we do not want. <clears throat> so I would say compassion is the most important key, mastery key to... Um, No, not a mastery key. I'd say it's the most important key in dissolving our internal control paradigms. And as we, as we dissolve our internal control paradigms, we will dissolve our external control manifestations. Those relationships where we feel we are being controlled. <clears throat> 